When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi everybody, before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Action for Children UK, who are a wonderful charity. Once again, they're running their Secret Santa Christmas campaign and they provide young children with hot meals, presents and safe places to sleep um, all year. Um, but in particular Christmas, they're doing a big fundraiser. And as we did last year, um, we're giving 100% of our December Patreon contributions to this charity. So if you sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the cinema before the end of November, your fee in December will all go to Action for Children and you will also get access to dozens of retro movie reviews and TV reviews. And you can always unsubscribe before the end of December and no hard feelings. It means you get loads of extra podcasts for the month and your money goes to charity. So it's a win-win. Um, so head to patreon.com forward slash the cinema to check that out and subscribe. And also we want to welcome three of our new Patreons this month. So hello to Matt, Nick and Tim Hopkin. Thank you guys so much for subscribing and your money in December will go to Action for Children. Um, and one quick apology for the audio quality of this episode. Turns out we do really good audio when we're walking home from the cinema, when we are at home in an echoey living room. It's not so good. So apologies and hopefully we'll actually be back at the cinema very soon. Bye. Hi, it's Dave here. This is my wife, Kathy. Hello. This is the Cinemile, the podcast where we used to walk home from the movies, but now we are in lockdown, so we sit here and watch movies. And you know, everyone was talking about this movie two months ago when it came out. Yes, yeah, so and we have our finger on the pulse. <laughs> Guys, right, we have two kids. It's so hard to keep on top of all these things to watch. But one of the benefits of uh, not having to walk home from the movies is that we don't need to be in person with somebody. So we can dial in to Ireland. Ireland, are you there? Eurovision style. Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> I'm can you tally the points, please, for this movie? <laughs> yes, here are the results of the Corp jury. <laughs> it's returning mother, my mother, Linda, and Granny, Linda, of the podcast. Hello, Mom. Hey. Hello, Granny Linda of the podcast. Hello, um, Cinemilers. What a, what a, what a pleasure. What a pleasure and to we, be on a couch, a virtual couch with you. We're so happy to have you back. We were obviously with you during the summer when we um, watched the Vast of Night together on Amazon Prime. Oh, wow. I remember Forgot that. about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never have, movie. I would never have recalled that spontaneously, but yes, the Vast, the vast of Night. Um, and here we are. Um, and we wanted to have Mom on this podcast, A, to hang out with her, but B... Because mom has just done a hyper lockdown binge of every episode of um, West Wing. <laughs> Blanked for a second. Yeah, The West Wing <laughs> by Aaron Sorkin, who has written and directed this movie, 
The Trial of the Chicago 7. Mum, how long did it take you to watch... Chicago. How long did it take you to watch all of this? Or to watch all of West Wing? I don't know exactly, but... We're talking weeks, not months. And there were seven seasons, and I absolutely loved it. And this is back <laughs> in the days where there were like 24 episodes per every season. Oh yeah, right? 24 but... episodes per season, and, and pure escapism. And it was like just interesting watching it coming up to the election going on in the states and it was like pure escapist fantasy you know describing a white house and a president that has morals and standards and integrity (laughs) where there's like you know philosophical debate about moral issues but not just the president because it's a whole you know it's about a whole system that seemed to have integrity so i you know i love a bit of escapism and we watched over the summer actually with Dave's mom funnily when we were in ireland we watched an american president the American president. The American president. Yeah, which Aaron Sorkin also wrote, in which Michael Douglas is the president. And it's very, it's like a, the pilot, it's kind of like a, a light yeah. pilot of the West Wing to the it's point. A backdoor pilot. The really. point where Martin Sheen is actually in it as like the chief of staff. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that either with you or just after I listened to your podcast because that's what kicked off. You didn't listen to our podcast, Mom. We never did one. We actually told you in real life that yeah. you should watch it. You're, you're, you're blurring the conversations which we have on this podcast and in real life. I was like, Mom, you like this. And I um, did. And I kept going and I watched the whole thing. So, yeah. It's a good yeah. movie. It's a good movie. And, and also really holds up worth a revisit really for, holds any, up. for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's like America. West Wing if it was a rom-com. I, but but I, think we, the West, I know we're not here to talk about West Wing. Um, but West Wing, I thought, held up given that it's relatively old. I think it was still relevant. Mm. Lots of people consider it like the best TV show ever made. I actually only ever saw a few episodes of The West Wing, which I quite liked, but never really got into. And then I have, however, watched every episode of Newsroom, which is Aaron Sorkin's other big show. Uh, Newsroom. Well, for getting Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, but Newsroom ran for longer, I think. Yeah, I only got one season. Newsroom was a show set in a newsroom with all the lofty ideas that were in The West Wing, but done very uh, extravagantly and very over the top in my mind um so i started watching newsroom because i liked it and wanted to watch it and by the end i would watch newsroom like screaming at the tv and like hating it and like following the hashtags on twitter to see like all the awful things people were saying about it and like agreeing with them um but i but i i do like the bits of west wing i've seen and i did like that american president movie so i don't quite know how i feel about aaron sorkin coming into this but i feel like he's got a very distinctive style which is where he like loves lots of talk he loves people walking and talking. The walk and talk. That was like, that was extraordinarily well done. Not just his directing, but the whole acting. I was looking at these actors walking and talking and it's not easy. No. No, and it's not easy to multitask. And they learn so much dialogue. Mm. The um, the thing, I think you're right, Kelly, I agree with you. Aaron Sorkin's got a very like particular brand and um, it, it often straddles the line like uh, between like... Um, it is undeniably like earnest and sincere i find his writing and like hopeful and optimistic in the face of adversity which i which i like and admire and i and i sort of uh, have similar points of views to him as as a as a person so i kind of uh, align to that but it often goes over the line into just cheese ball schmaltz. oh like newsroom was 
out of control like mom you have to watch it now and compare it to West Wing it'd be so funny but listen we can't be talking yeah. about our talking TV shows all day here alright well let's let's start with this movie <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about this movie I don't know who the Chicago 7 are I, I know that they had a trial yeah. I guess it's set in Chicago <laughs> never heard of them mom have you heard of the trial well I think the, the trial was kind of given away in the title of the movie it's the trial <laughs> of the Chicago uh, 7 no I mean I, I think my memory is something to do with the um the 60s and Vietnam and protests but I don't know I don't know anything about it and I deliberately didn't look up so I'll be I'll be happily surprised yeah it's fun to I like these kind of movies where you get a slice of uh, a particular slice of history that you may not have been familiar with and then it kind of goes laser deep uh, well Dave you have to wait till we watch the movie uh, but I imagine that's what it's going to be If it, I just want this to be just about this trial well I, I, I think that it will be judging yeah. by the title for sure um, I wonder okay. how I wonder how many are going to be on trial. <laughs> Good question. And where are they based? <laughs> okay, right. We're gonna go and watch it, and then we're gonna reconvene back online. Uh, so, mom, we'll see you back as soon as the movie's over. Okay, enjoy. Okay. Bye. Are the people ready to make opening arguments? At the defense table. Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, John Freund, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale. These defendants had a plan, and the plan was to incite a riot. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. <laughs> my trial's begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Sustained. Nobody objected. Jurors 6 and 11, they're with us. Juror number 6 and juror number 11, you're dismissed from this jury. Can you tell us why? Because this is my courtroom. We've dealt with jury tampering, wiretapping, a defendant that was literally gagged. Get your hands off me! You're the first to suggest that I have discriminated against a black man. Then let the record show that I'm the second. When we walked in here this morning, they were chanting that the whole world is watching. If we leave here without saying anything about why we came in the first place, it'll be heartbreaking. The last summer, why did you come to the convention? To end the war. We're giving them exactly what they want, a stage and an audience. Yeah, you really think there's going to be a big audience? Here I am! This is what revolution looks like, real revolution. We may have to hurt somebody's feelings. Is this prosecution politically motivated? I'm tired of hearing you. It would be impossible for me to care any less what you are tired of. Here I am! No world's watching! There will be more! No world's watching! We have to find some courage now. No world's watching! No world's watching! How much is it worth to you? What's your price? To call off the revolution? My life. Open your Hi, we're back. We watched the trial of the Chicago 7, but there were eight of them. Oh, spoiler (laughs) street! So for anyone who hasn't listened before, we'll talk about the movie kind of in general terms, without any spoilers, and then when we're like doing our real podcast, we walk to spoiler street, but here we go to spoiler sofa. Okay. So, Mom, you okay, watch? okay, got it, Mom. Okay, uh, okay so do I have to get off my sofa? <laughs> no, you go can somewhere stay on else, or can I go stay to on my sofa? sofa. <laughs> yeah. Designate one of your sofas, please. Um, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It delivered everything I, I liked from a, a Sorkin movie. 
and yeah just my general overall impression was I was really impressed with the way it was put together and with the acting I mean there are some surprise performances in there for me um the two the two main ones um gosh I can't Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen yes, and Eddie Redmayne. Probably. And Eddie Redmayne. I yeah. don't normally like Eddie. I mean, I loved him singing in Les Miserables, but more, normally I find him too old. Mom, do you remember when, when we went to see Fantastic Beasts and you I, called him Eddie Sideface? I was, <laughs> that's I all was, I could think about watching the movie. I was, exactly, I was exactly remembering the very exact podcast. And this is the only movie I've seen him where he's not looking all side-faced at the camera. He looks like a normal person. <laughs> and he's very... Yeah, so he's been I, acting this whole time is what yeah he's the first time he's not delivered a performance entirely in profile like he has never seen Fantastic Beasts but like it's weird what he does in that movie oh like. it's weird so I, I mean actually, they're all they're very bad movies for lots of reasons Eddie Redmayne's not the worst the Avengers I actually liked that first movie I didn't see the second one the second one the is diabolical um, made w- much worse by Johnny Depp's performance but Eddie Sideface didn't help Eddie Side. <laughs> but anyway he yeah. was he was very understated and yeah and good, because he was playing a character that wasn't, you know, especially likable, because he was a bit of a, a suck-up. Um, <laughs> but, no, and Sasha, it's the middle cool. name I can never, yeah. Uh, I thought he was extraordinarily good. Really yeah. good. And the guy who was play his sidekick, who was from that other show. The Succession. Succession. Yeah. yeah, he was brilliant in, in his role. So, yeah. Like, without going into too many specifics, overall, I found it a good watch. I thought, even though it was set in the 60s, it had a contemporary feel. The Mm. themes felt contemporary. So I thought it was well meshed between, like, Woodstock-style footage and modern-day issues. And yes, it had a little bit of that kind of fairy tale feel. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved that. I loved how um, how how he blended uh, real-world protest footage with what they 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 shot themselves it really just like that can be very overdone or overblown or heavy-handed but it felt like it was cut in a really interesting way this movie and a lot of the the way that they tell the story like the 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 structure of what you know what what is revealed over what they're on trial for is told through um court testimonials but also their them like Sasha Baron Cohen at a stand-up club regaling an audience with what happened so you get these sort of plus the actual footage of what happened so you get this this um all these varying sort of perspectives on the same thing and they're all meshed together and I thought that that can be a very cluttered or confusing way to tell a, a story I thought it really that worked really effectively it's actually and I, I yeah sorry go on it's a it's like a technique that's used in writing show don't tell so mm. nobody ever told us what had happened but it all got like shown through various clips flashbacks and as you said the the stand up so it was very well and and what i felt with that is that we were we the audience were credited with some intelligence because we weren't given a, a lot of stuff wasn't filled in for us and we just had to intuit it or know it from what we were given and i liked that Exactly. You don't really get introduced to any of these characters. You get a very sort of effective, uh, I thought, and quick montage at the beginning. But then you're kind of just straight into the trial without knowing what they're on trial for even. Um, but I think to, you know, we sort of said at the front of the show that Aaron Sorkin can be a bit um, sort of marmite 
and I think he did skirt the, the line a few times for me in this movie uh, the, particularly let's talk about it in spoiler street a couple of moments where I was like oh dear no this is too much but um, overall I'm with you I thought this I thought it was a really really great piece of work he's a whatever about him he's an amazing screenwriter he's got a beautiful way with words all of the characters felt like they had their own voices. The performances were excellent. And what a cast. This cast. And, and just all these surprise uh, uh, awesome actors just kept popping out of the blue. Every two seconds it was like, uh, I won't even say who they are because they, they, they may be sort of, um, there, there were fun surprises in themselves. So we'll talk about that in Spoiler Street. But yeah, I was bought into this 100% from the beginning. I was invested in it. I felt like it, it uh, like you said, Linda, it's got like, just feel very contemporary particularly um you know without talking too much about the the subject of the movie it's about um anti-war protesters clashing with the police and then this sort of friction between a right-wing institution and what is perceived as the radical left and all of that is all of that is the melting pot that is happening in america and has been happening well, since 1968, but particularly has been playing out over the, the past year with the Black Lives Matter movement in particular. So I think these are the kind of movies I really appreciate that you get, you feel like you're being educated on a particular topic that I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about these people or this trial. So I found that really interesting. It was also entertaining for the most, it was, it was very well put together, but it was also entertaining. It was also quite frustrating, like I felt so frustrated at the injustice of this whole thing. Uh, so I was invested. Um, and also, yeah, it, it takes away, uh, you, you walk away from it with a bit of a, a broader lens on, on, what's, um, on what's happening today. And, and I think that's, that for me are the, the best kind of movies. Um, so I, yeah, I, I thought it was excellent. I was really impressed. I Happy. thought like <laughs> at the beginning I thought the opening montage was like so punchy and really set the scene for the trial like you guys said and like I was really enjoying the performances even Eddie's Sideface who I tend to take issue with um, but as it went on I felt like it dragged like I felt like it was a little bit too long and I I was really fascinated by the subject matter right it's fascinating these 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 anti-vietnam protesters but how they all kind of come from you've got like anti-vietnam war anti-vietnam war specifically like you've got people who are from kind of the academic like um more political uh, people like eddie redmayne and then you have like the black panthers um the guy bobby who was played by yeah yeah abdul maheen who's amazing um, and yeah. then you have like the hippie played by sasha baron cohen who was like seen seemingly incredible i never knew he was that good an actor um so I found that all really interesting and then obviously as Dave mentioned like in light of of the, the continued violence in the states in particular um how armed and ready the police are over there um and you know frankly mur murder innocent people we know that happens over there um and that resulted in like mass you know mass protests globally this summer of Black Lives Matter and I felt like watching it with all of that knowledge from what what was happening this summer and has been happening in America for a long time, made me very angry as a viewer, angry about the American police and what we were being what we were being shown when we were watching those violent scenes. Yeah. And I think Aaron Sorkin did that stuff really well, but I would have liked to have 
heard more about the Black Panthers. I felt like that was, I know that's more incidental because in the end, he wasn't actually one of the Chicago Seven. So I appreciate why we didn't see as much of him, but I was really interested in that and would have liked to see more from him. Um, and his treatment was like, we were like shouting at the TV about how he, that character Bobby, who was like the head of the Black Panthers, was being treated in the courtroom. Like we were sickened watching it. So I was getting really angry and I think Aaron Sorkin's really good at that, like rising your emotions really high. Um, but so then that stuff aside about the film itself, I felt like it just got way too Aaron Sorkin for me by the end. Like I was literally like, Dave, I cannot effing watch this movie. It's, it's like nauseating. And, and I really got annoyed at how much Eddie Redmayne's character like was like the focal point. Like I don't understand why he was the, the focal point. I got really bored of watching him. And then I, towards the end was like, oh, it's because he's like a Martin Sheen or a Michael Douglas. Like he's what Aaron Sorkin loves, which is this like eloquent, liberal, like educated white man, isn't he? Like, isn't that what Aaron Sorkin loves? And I just got like, just bored of watching it. Um, but we'll go into more in Spoiler Street. And also, and I know it's true to life, so like you cannot fault them that all the players involved were men, right? So Aaron Sorkin was like trying to flesh out some female characters, but how he did it was so bad that I like almost wish he hadn't done it at all. Um, you mean the secretary at the uh, conspiracy? There's basically the... three women in it. There's a secretary, there's an undercover spy who like uses her wily ways, and then there's another woman who's like basically a victim to men. And I just thought like, oh God, I just, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. Um... But I think that would have been uh, representative of the times because even though it felt contemporary, it's not. This was, yeah. the, this was the 60s and that would have been reflective of that. And Eddie, I kept forgetting it was the 60s actually. The 60s. That's, I think that's yeah. what's happening. And so Eddie's character wouldn't have just been what Sorkin loves but um, what the American public loved. And so at the time he would, I imagine, have got all the press attention and they would have been playing on that in their defence to present the good, the college white boy. So I think that with it but just one thing I want to throw in there I wasn't all that engaged with the backstories and the personalities of the seven but I was fascinated with the legal system and the corruption yeah. and the corruption of judges oh my god the judge because that's uh, Frank Langella is the actor he, I mean, was, he was he was extraordinary brilliant performance of a very very corrupt man but then oh, I'm, I'm also I've just finished watching the latest season of The Good Fight which we know I love, um, but it's <laughs> it's largely focusing in this whole season on that on the corruption of judges and it's it's profoundly eye opening, and so that was the bit that fascinated me. I love to watch the courtroom play out. And again, that was very like tr like triggering almost like knowing what's happened in America with the Supreme Court and how like the Republicans have rushed someone in um, before Trump leaves. Again, it was like the judicial system and all that stuff on display. It's like, and we're not even American. But but watching and what I know about the American justice system, like it, it frightens me. And you know, it I, I was frightened watching the movie because I feel like yes, it was set in nineteen sixty nine, but it you know that shit could be going on and is going on today. And it was very stressful for me to watch it. And I like, um, yeah, it was very stressful. And well, overall, it, I just I it, it's too close to the bone for me. And. And I, it was interesting after we watched it, Dave, like Dave and I, before we came back onto you, Mum, were like, Dave was saying he felt it, it struck an optimistic tone about human spirit. And I was saying, no, to me, it wasn't it was so depressing that like they spent like over 150 days on like a sham trial to persecute people who were, you know, just trying to like 
uh, exercise their like civic right to protest and oh, it's just too close to the bone for me yes, the but year I, that's I, in I, it I agree I'm, I, I, I was not at all saying I'm not saying that that's not depressing that's yeah. the whole point of the movie that's an, it's an incredibly frustrating experience yeah. but ultimately as well we'll talk about it in spoilers but the um the other the other thing which struck me watching it this week was this movie takes place this isn't a spoiler but the, it kicks off because of an incoming attorney general who has uh, is politically motivated and has the ear of the president so the incoming president nixon at the time and the a lot of this movie centers around how this is a political trial right and there's the tension between Sacha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne about it, there being such a thing as a political trial um, and this happened in the same week that the actual Attorney General Anthony Barr uh, went against, flew in the face of uh, evidence and, and advice and uh, instructed um, the FBI and judges to investigate mass voter fraud in the current US election yeah, non-existent because he's, he's um, a, a good mate of, of Donald Trump so it felt like it's too close to the bone. That's that what I mean. Kind of like, is almost exactly the same. Yeah, very close to the bone. But I would caution you to not just think it's it's happening in the states. There's huge um, corruption and drama going on this week in in the UK, and also in Ireland we have shenanigans, shenanigans. Oh yeah, and I, trust me, I'm not yeah. saying like literally as we speak. Last night, Dominic Cummings was given the arse over here in the UK, an unelected person who was effectively running the country. So I'm not in any way saying the UK is any better. It's just with with what we what we're, we've been watching in America and then watching the movie, I just like oh, I, I, yeah. It's, it's very it's very real. So I think that's what the movie pulled off for me. They're very real issues. They're very dark issues. It's um, bigotry. It's corruption. It's set up. But it had a lot of lightness and humor and great dialogue and great yeah. spirit. Yeah. And um, like the two lads who we obviously we don't know who they were because they were the token. The la- number six and number seven, who said like it was an honor, <laughs> yeah. it was an honor to be even included in the trial. They like, said it was like their... being nominated for the Oscars. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That was funny. There was, you're right. Like there was definitely lightness of touch to it and like humor, and I do think that is something Aaron Sorkin's really good at. Um, but I stick to my my what I said to you last night after the movie. I do think it's, he's he's up, he's an optimistic person, and Aaron Sorkin is to the to the de- to the detriment of sort of the. Uh, the, you know, he's so laughably like, like it's the sincere end was, and earnest. Some of it was laughable, like. Yeah, Could we should um, go to spoilers over. Right? Why don't we fl- flick over the toilet? But I, I, I personally would highly recommend this movie, uh, and it's on Netflix. It's easy to access. I, I think, uh, I think it's well worth a watch. What when I you? was watching it, at some point during 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 it, I, I had this thought to myself. This is absolutely brilliant. This is the best movie I've seen all year. Now, obviously, afterwards, in, in the come down, I'm not standing over that, but that was my experience. <laughs> At one point, in one of those like banters, I was absolutely blown away with how brilliant it was. And also, because I have a sort of a, an interest in, in acting too, like just really watching the acting and how on game those actors were, those performances yeah. were fantastic. They were fantastically authentic. So it was I almost was, like um, there's no weak link the, in this. But the no, guy um, Jeremy not. Strong, who like we're obsessed with in Succession, I appreciate he's playing a real person, and I'm sure he was doing a good impression. But I don't know. I slightly disappoint. Like I felt like he was the weaker. He of was them, a bit. He's the comic relief, but he wasn't given much to of, do. Yeah. 
Um, like for me, hundred percent, the standouts were Sasha Baron Cohen and Yaya Abdul Mahin. They're like unbelievable. Um, yeah. Eddie Redmayne and Frank Langella. Frank Langella and Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. No, I just thought Mark Rylance was like was given nothing to do. Oh no, I he did Mark, nothing. Mark Rylance barely has to do anything because he, he just brings lawyer, he mom. just brings integrity with him. Like but you just you just, just hire him and he just shows up and you're like, lazy, like I'm comfortable with with this. Like and this I man. think having Eddie Redmayne as the as the you know clean cut whatever friend of Bobby Kennedy was like just can we just talk about the fact it, that like? Eddie Redmayne is 38 years old and was playing a college student uh, yes I, I noticed that but he still has a young look but the, kind of, like my take on the defence lawyer he didn't have a lot to do but there was so much going on like his facial expressions his presence I found him totally believable he didn't have oh. to be he didn't have to be doing a lot to, to portray that character he Can I talk about the thing that annoyed me the most? Do, Kathy, tell us. <laughs> get, get it off your little chest there. Wait, don't slag me, Dave, because I always get his name wrong. Joseph Gordon Levin. Oh, hey, that's right. how it's Yay! Playing the prosecutor, right? Yeah. Who kind of has, like, oh, a secret heart of gold, and he's like this loving father, and he, like, has his doubts about it. That was annoying me so much that I actually went on and Googled afterwards and apparently that's not what the prosecutor was like at all. Oh really? It was that's such an Aaron I was like I was like, this is an Aaron Sorkin liberal invention. Like this has to be. <laughs> like and he's like my God, this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. I was like, no, 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 no. But that's an in- as a character it worked. Yeah, but he was the least believable. He was also the least believable for me. Now he didn't yeah. irritate me, but he was the yeah, he no, he didn't. The actor didn't irritate me. He did a fine job. The car- it's just that I knew. I was like, I've seen Newsroom enough to know this is a fake character from Newsroom. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to go to Spoiler Sofa now. So for anyone who hasn't watched it, and, and I would say if, um, you know, if if you're uh, in light of this summer and if you're not feeding up to something like this, I don't know that I'd recommend it as a watch. And B, if you really can't stand Iron Sork and stuff, I would definitely not recommend it as a watch. But if you if you love a really good political drama court case, it's very well done. Like it's it's a brilliantly executed and like you said, Mom, the show don't tell. I love how we never just listen to a witness talk. We always watched the scene. Like I thought that was brilliant. Because mm. uh, it could be very on, dull. Are we on spoiler sofa now? We are on spoiler yeah, sofa. Three, two, oh no, okay. I am. <laughs> because my my big thing about that show don't tell, we didn't even get to hear the verdict. It was just in the wrap up that we heard what their sentencing was yeah was yeah and the sentencing was i looked up i actually looked up what they were all sentenced as and it was like slightly different things and like two of them had been let off and some of it was just for like contempt and all that and then and then like they said at the end like that was one of the things that bothered me right at the end it just very briefly gave us like what happened four people after the trial that was it mm. and i thought look you've set up eight characters for us like tell us what all eight of them did surely like but just felt like such a dud ending? Do you think so? I thought it was yeah, but, brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant ending. It told I us. Really, yeah, I don't get what the beef is. Mm. I just thought like. They, what do you want? You want you want to know what the two? I want like, to know what the Boy Scout leader the, did after. Yeah, this. we didn't get like, what Dellinger was. They set that Boy Scout leader up right. It's like the nice guy. Like it was absolutely hilarious that his wife and son were there every day. I was like, send that child to school. <laughs> they kept saying the court case lasted oh, half a year, and the child was forced to sit there eight every hours a day, day watching, reviewing, watching testimony. Like just ludicrous. But I wanted to know what happened. Like, was he allowed back into the boys' schools? And um, also the fact that like 
I think what I was so frustrated was he allowed about, back like, into the boys? Like basically, that's the your whole, problem no, with this movie. I cannot believe like 150 plus days of like public money, of of everything that went on in this show trial, and then the whole thing just collapsed, and then no one ever followed up on it again. I was like, what are we watching? Like this is like. But what you're describing is frustration and with the actual subject matter of the movie. That's what you're supposed to be feeling. That's the I guess point. I felt no sense of victory at the end. I just felt like, what the fuck was that? The the victory, there was no victory. Yeah. No winners. No. The victory is the constructed moment, which I'd love to know if that actually happened with the reading out the 4,000 name. Which that is a really, It just felt so finely constructed, though. I would not be surprised if it never happened. I forgot to Google that, actually. Because it's such a movie moment, isn't it? But that's what annoyed me, that it became about, not about the subject matter, but about Eddie Redmayne's character arc. The whole thing was building up to, like, will Eddie Redmayne do what the judge wants him to do, or will he defy him? And I'm like... That's not interesting. He's been arrested for being a protester. We will work from the presumption that he will defy. Well, for, <laughs> for me, that, that that is definitely the kind of arc. But the 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 main theme of the movie is kind of because um, what's interesting is you're coming at it. You've all these varying different approaches to the same objective, right? So um, and and the two that are particular loggerheads are um, Bobby, Abby, Abby, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, and Tom, uh, Eddie Redmayne's character. So you mean at loggerheads with each other? At loggerheads with each other, yeah. but they've got the same objective, and I think that's what's really interesting. And then the whole thing is, and and it's again, this is where it got very cheeseball for me. Oh my where, god, I couldn't cope with they, them fighting. They sort of, but when they meet in the middle, that's where it got a bit cheeseball. When the bit where Sasha Baron Cohen says, "Wait, he doesn't, he he forgets <laughs> to say the word our. He meant to say our." And then he goes, just there. like when you line, just like when you said that line in your book. And he goes, "You've read my books. I've read all your books, man." He said, "I've read and every like, word you've ever written." Yeah, and it's like, oh god. And uh, and then there's this like the the heavens open and like Eddie Redmayne realizes that maybe Sasha Baron Cohen actually is an intelligent guy. And then he says, <laughs> "No, Abby should take the stand." I was just like, this is too movie for me. It's too movie magic. But apparently, it's the line Aaron that Abby Jordan. said, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, when he said, "Like I've never been." I've never been questioned or put on trial of my thoughts before. Apparently that's a real line. But like all the stuff with like the stuff that was yeah. just so sickening to watch with Bobby and the judge and how like Bobby kept saying like I have no representation. It's and awful. The judge... And then that, you know, that's actually true that they bound and gagged him as well. Like, that is like, that was just so. That's horrific. It was heartbreaking. It was horrific. It was an awful thing to behold and but luckily it's when a good thing to, it, you know it's a good thing I'm glad to see it documented in a film like that because it was so shocking and I just I think I would have liked to seen a little bit more time spent on that but I appreciate he wasn't one of the seven he was the eighth and, and then he got to go and he should never have been there in the first place but it was like that was a truly shocking moment and I was pleased when when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character went up and objected and, and all that stuff. Yeah, just like happened in real life. Though I don't know if that was what happened in real life. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe he no. would have because it was actually nothing to do with their case. So like, why would you stand for that? Well, I liked his line where it's like, this is it, you have, you have somebody bound and gagged in an American court. It was yeah. just like, so. It was, all, it was absolutely horrific. And they were using the Black Panther's name like to pretend that there was a jury tampering when yeah. there wasn't. Like, so... There was like so much shenanigans going on. How, how good was the Michael Keaton bit where Michael Keaton just shows up and says, uh, I'm your star witness. And then <laughs> it's like, so just feels like this slam dunk moment. And then it's, and then it's like, again, just bashing your head against the wall with this judge who will not allow this testimony to be heard by the jury. He was so up the arse of the government. It was ridiculous. Like, when he was like, 
my government phone, my office phone that the police started the riots. And then your mum was like, get out of my courtroom, basically. That was, but apparently that's definitely true that he didn't, like his, his uh, statement wasn't allowed. But like at one point it annoyed me because Mark Raylands, or Raylands, the defense lawyer said like, some, we need like a psychologist up in the stands because I don't think that judge is fit. But then like that fizzled out and, and just watching it, and I appreciate we're talking about in the 60s, but watching it as a viewer I kept getting confused I was like why why is this judge still the judge because they should have followed that through and showed us them trying to get rid of him or something because they left that thread hanging and Sorry. it was so bizarre to watch that's got nothing to do with the 60s there are people in positions of power today in every country that should not be there. no no I'm not saying that I'm just saying they didn't they left a thread hanging for us as a viewer that they didn't fulfill oh, sure. Mark Wright they should never have had Mark Wright and saying that line because I get hung up on things that I spent the entire movie like waiting for the psychologist to show up and go like he's nit- unfit you're nitpicking this movie so much I don't get it like you've got a beef your beef seems to be that you you were depressed with the state of the world and you didn't want to be reminded of it no that's not my beef i actually think it's a really good movie it doesn't sound like it's not beef i just like have a lot of issues with like how it is beef it's seared pan fried beef i I just had a lot of issues with the subject matter obviously it's very stressful and then i just think there were certain things that aaron sorkin did that i didn't quite agree with and that were like overly cheesy for me um, but overall, I do think like I think it's a really good movie. I, I think do. I must be very shallow though, because I just enjoyed the ride. I didn't honestly think too deeply about any of it. I just no, enjoyed... you're not shallow. Yeah, I'm I enjoy... I'm just just viewing en... it differently. I just yeah, I just enjoyed the whole. I think I enjoyed the cinematic and the production value of it, and yeah, and and all of that. And of course, I mean, even in Ireland, we've got current scandals going on now. Supreme Court judges. It's none of it's simple. And yeah. and yes, a lot of the threads were just left hanging there, as as happens in life. Yeah, you know, threads are are left hanging. But I guess overall, I don't think I learned much, but I certainly enjoyed a lot. It's a it's entertain. It's a good piece. It of is, entertainment. and it's like yeah. what makes something like The West Wing easier to watch is like it's fictional, and that's what yeah. that's what made this very different for me watching because it's like based on you know, yes. it happened, and I just find that very stressful. And it's and I fiction. always get caught up. I know when I'm watching adaptations, I get completely caught up on like, is this what happened? What's changed? Like, I know we'd have changed some elements. What's he changed? And I just get totally hung up on that, and I can't go like, you were able to just embrace the movie, and I would wish I, I th- could. Have I think you're it. right, though. That's that's an important thing to remember with an Aaron Sorkin movie. It is he operates in a in a world of fiction. You know, he constructs as as much as he grounds particularly subject matter like this. Uh, he, he they're, they're they're grounded in reality or they're sourced from reality. He constructs a better... He constructs the world that we would want to live in. That's what I kind of see. It's this... Almost like this... Look at what... Uh, like, with the West Wing is is like a... It's, it's a, 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 a... It's like a left-wing fantasy, isn't it? The newsroom is like a joke. It's like Star Trek. Newsroom is like a punchline to a joke. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about... Sorry. If anyone hasn't seen... This is a minor spoilers for newsroom, whatever season this happens in. But I haven't even seen this... Um, episode but there's a very famous thing that i've seen via youtube of uh, one of the characters being on an airplane and uh, i won't even say what happens yeah mom you look it up look up look up newsroom airplane 9 11 look look up newsroom airplane 9 11 and watch that scene and it is honestly one of the most hilarious things i've ever seen it's 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 completely lacking in self-awareness i think that is the uh yeah and and i think this is the also the 
his writing veers into that, but it can often be saved by a good performance. Apparently, he wrote it ages ago, which is interesting. This movie. I and wonder. Fair he really cast the role. Like Sasha Baron Cohen, I looked up the real guy uh, he played, and he looks identical to him. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable, yeah. Like, they're really well cast. I wonder what his actual goal was in making the movie, because that's interesting. What was he trying to achieve with it? That, that's not that's clear. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, it's like, and it's like, it's from 1969. He wrote the script from what I read least 10 years ago i guess he took him away to get it off the ground but it's like like is the point that like the vietnam war was a bad idea because like pretty much everyone agrees with that is the point that like is the point about police brutality maybe like i don't actually know or did he just find it a fascinating thing that he fancied recreating i would would imagine the story of these people is quite endearing or it can be positioned that way and that's how he positions it as in like they were facing insurmountable odds. Like, they, from the beginning, the odds are stacked against them. They have a judge who has already decided. They've, um, they're, they're, they're in an environment um, and a country that's um, not really backing them. They're, they've got the government against them. Um, and you, you, the whole movie is experiencing their frustrations at these in seemingly insurmountable odds. But they yet, while the outcome was them being convicted, it kind of turned is positioned as a victory in the end, and they made a political statement. So I think that kind of is an interesting story. I think I find it. It, rem- it reminds me, you know, there's sometimes bizarre things are happening in your life or in somebody's life, and you say, you couldn't make it up. Like, it's so bizarre. Yeah. So almost like this was a story where these people were just randomly thrown in together and, and, and put together as one court one court case the seven of them um and i'd say at the time you'd be reading that and saying you couldn't make this stuff up so i yeah. think he possibly yeah. the idea was this is a fascinating and bizarre travesty of justice and wouldn't this make a great movie yeah like the stuff the judge was doing when he was like completely out of control of like buying, like gagging somebody or like just contempt 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 like letting them say nothing um all the stuff the judge was doing if that was in a fiction movie you would be like there's no way mm-hmm. but the fact that in this movie you were like god like i feel like that actually is what really happened so that yeah it's really interesting it's and it's funny because that actor i normally love him so much so i think that's part of the reason i was like felt very like stressed by his performance Frank yeah he's you, such a nice guy he let you down kathy he I, did leave me down yeah what, what's that one where he's in a uh he's got dementia and gets a robot robot and frank robot and frank oh, that's a, that's Yes, I've seen that. That's lovely. That's what I picture him as. Oh, no, I'm glad I haven't remembered him in that. I just want to say a little speak up on behalf of Eddie's side face (laughs) character. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know he got a lot of attention and and I know there was that whole, yes, was he going to... I didn't expect him to read out all those names. But I think his his internal struggle was he's coming from middle class white America. It's he would have not have been comfortable with any of that. Like the hippies were the hippies. But he would have been coming from that college place where it would have been a big effort for him to actually stand against the system. Well, it was interesting that that line early on in the movie when Bobby says to him, uh, the Black Panther guy says to Eddie Redface, 
you guys are all here because you're rebelling against your dads. Like, that's not why I'm here. Like, mm. I, like he's rebelling against institutional racism that he spent his whole life living against. And he said, and I'm rebelling against, like, a noose hanging off a tree. Like, he's like, we're coming from completely yes. different realities. Yeah. 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 And it's like, oh, like, how sad for Eddie that he's, like, so rich and, like, has this Ivy League education. He's, like, a pallbearer at Bobby Kennedy's funeral. Like, great that he went on to protest the war and great that he, we found out later, went into politics and stuff. But, like, you, like... Yeah, they're just from completely different, like, walk of life, if you say. It's, like, so different. So, to me, his manufactured arc was, like, slightly, like, not very interesting for me. That he, in such a blatant farce of a trial, didn't go along with it. Like, like yeah. it was a farce. Like, of course, any, like, at that point, like, given the opportunity to speak, like, anyone would have been like, this is a joke. <laughs> um, I, like, but that, I, like I, I don't know, did you miss that, Cathy? Because he had the opportunity to stand up and sum up and and show remorse. He had the opportunity to get them to change the outcome. Yeah, 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 he did. And I, I thought, I thought it was interesting because that would have been a very tempting one to take. Give the I judge... guess I just thought I didn't believe the judge anyway. So. <laughs> okay, but give the well, that was what he was faced with. That so I got to make this Sophie's choice. Was either give the judge what he wants or stand up for what he believed in? And I thought it worked. He worked for me, which. I don't say lightly. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, and he finally, like, it was like his character arc was also for him to realise that Sasha Baron Cohen is right and it's a political trial. It is a political trial. No such thing as a political yeah. trial. Um, it's a bit like there's a real through line throughout the... He, him and Sasha Baron Cohen are the, make, the two main sort of characters in all of this and their conflict. Yeah, yeah. they were so polarised that they came to... They came together, yeah. And a lot of that is quite heavily signposted, but I'm fine with that. I thought it was like I don't mind that. really well told. And it was fun watching um, Jeremy Strong's performance as like kind of stoner best mate. Like he definitely was like the fun of the movie when he like fell in love with that FBI. And he got his heart like, broken. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed him. But then we were like, who is she? She's so familiar, right? Googled her. She was in succession with him, which immediately oh. then threw me off. I was like, that's weird. Uh, I find it very strange when... When you're watching people on screen together who who you've seen something else together, like that just always unnerves me. Because uh, I'm like, there's so many actors in the world. Why are these same two actors opposite each other? Like, I never get it. And um, but yeah, for me, the highlight was when Michael. Like, I was getting a bit annoyed at like how many like famous faces there were. I was like rolling my eyes. But then when Michael Keaton showed up, I was like, okay, this is amazing. Yeah, love him. Like, because you just don't see him that often. And he, like, I love when they're like, don't worry, you won't be compelled to do this and we're here to like be witnesses and he's like no no I brought you to like let you know yeah, that I want to that was, awesome. that was awesome there's a lot of real like fist in the air and Eddie in Redmayne's thing. like oh you have to show courage and I was like oh god here we go <laughs> <laughs> but he cut him off <laughs> um, but mom anyway. thank you so much for like coming as the West Wing expert thanks for coming did all you, this way <laughs> did you notice parallels mom uh, after your West Wing binge was this like enough to tide you over or do you need to go back and just rewatch the West Wing to get I think film? I should start at episode one I mean, Did you no, listen to the podcast I told you about, West Wing Weekend? Yes, I just actually thought about that yesterday. I, no, I think the similarity is the long, um, they're not called soliloquies, the long monologues. And <laughs> they the, basically are. This I mean, there was no walk and talk because it didn't really work for that, but it had that... There was long, one in the lawyer's office. There was one in the lawyer's office. and the, But even though it was set in a courtroom, there was a sense of movement. So it, it wasn't dissimilar. Yeah. The the talk was very fast, like that line learning and delivering for all of them. It wasn't dissimilar, but I, I don't think I would have looked at it and, and known straight away. But uh, yeah, I did. 
And do we think, like, I reckon uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Yeah Yeah Abdul Maheen might get uh, Oscar nominations because A, they're both brilliant, and B, there's been feck all movies out this year, so you may as well nominate two people from the same movie. Yeah, I'd like to see them get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was an extraordinary role for Sasha to play, like that whole um, switch from crazy comedy to, uh, yeah, it was funny, but it was a serious role too. Yeah. Yeah. And is it some month for him? Because. Was it in September as well? Or when did he bring out Borat the... Too, same Borat 2, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, were close together. Yeah, yeah, which we weren't... We were kind of planning on watching Never Got Around to it. Now we really feel like we missed the boat. Like, that's definitely a flash. And, like, you know, you watch it in those few weeks or you probably don't bother watching it. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't did you be watch drawn it to it. No, I wouldn't be interested. I, d- I didn't really like the Borat movies. They were... I prefer political fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom, please go off and watch Newsroom, right? And then oh, but how long is it? Well, I, how, long, how, how many seasons? Is this Don't a long watch? watch? Newsroom. I think Newsroom is three seasons. Okay. Newsroom, newsroom is infuriating. <laughs> I watched like, I got three episodes in in the first season. And I just, oh, the first I, season's the best. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> really? The best. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mom, we I miss you. Thank you. So I know much for it's on. lovely, and you know we might all be together at Christmas. We might do some sort we of will. A, a sure walk around will. walk around the park episode. Well, hopefully, we're trying to think of like what well, usually we do a big end of year review and all the movies. Is- this year really short review so, <laughs> yeah. very short list like Bill and Ted 3 will end up in our top 5 by complete oh, yeah. default <laughs> um, right, thank you All so right. much mom thanks Linda if you want to um, follow us or if you want to let us know uh, what you thought of Trial of the Chicago 7 at the Cinemile on Twitter Facebook Instagram or email us thecinemile at gmail.com we always write back and um, that's it and oh and if you, it would be lovely if you could uh, if you liked this uh, subscribe to the podcast go and leave us a review yeah and don't be cross at me if you love Aaron Sorkin because I have said I think he's really good at what he does um, so don't be cross at me um, and lastly um, we if you want more of this we uh, we are struggling to get cinematic releases out as you can tell um, in this environment but uh, we have a load more episodes if you're hungry for more of these over on our Patreon uh, feed at patreon.com forward slash the cinemile uh, where you can subscribe for two or three dollars a month and you get access to all our retro movie and TV reviews. And they're themed. And actually every month, this th- uh, every month our, one of our listeners uh, picks the theme. And this month we're going to be watching movies about American presidents. <laughs> yeah, so actually well-timed. Uh, well-timed. And all of the uh, money th- uh, that we're getting in December is going to uh, charity. Action for Children. Action for Children. It's a wonderful charity. So anyone who subscribes up between now and uh, the end of November, um, your money that comes out on the 1st of December all goes to Action for Children. You've access to everything in the back catalogue, which at this stage is about 30 movies and like way more than that in terms of TV reviews. And then you can unsubscribe before the end of uh, December and you won't be charged again. All right. Okay. Bye, Mom. Love you. Bye. Bye, Linda. Open your eyes because a new day is dawning. The new day is dawning.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.